Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Will Martin. Coach Martin is an assistant coach at Missouri Western State. We talked to him today about how you should consider motives and intentions on a daily basis, how to bring your juice, and how to pray harder than you work. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Coach, thank you so much for having me on. Before we get started, I just want to I want to thank you so much. You know, I've listened to pretty much all of your podcasts that you put out there and what's so amazing to me is the unity um, and the inclusiveness uh, I tell our guys all the time that the world's desperate to hear your voice because we're all on a journey wow. and it doesn't matter what your background is it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter how old you are your socioeconomic background everyone has a story we yeah. all have a voice and what you've done is you've given a voice to managers GAs video coordinators assistant coaches and it's truly amazing I mean a platform without a purpose is just an empty stage. Yeah. But you've created a stage with purpose. Wow. And it's just, it's truly remarkable. I appreciate that, Coach. It's very humbling. It's very exciting to hear you say that, too. Like, I just, I'm at all of what's happening with this. Uh, but I know, here again, this lane that was created, it's created for coaches. And I'm so excited to have kind of been a part of the architect uh you know, you guys are the architects of it, honestly. And I'm just kind of setting out the asphalt and uh, going up behind y'all and, and publishing it and getting it out there. Really, it's all it is. So here again, very humbled and very thankful for what you just, for those sentiments, Coach. Let's go ahead and get started, though. I, I'm, I'm very excited about, you know, introducing or, or interviewing coaches that have uh, experience at different levels. And then some of the experiences you've had have been, you know, out of this world. So, to start it off, how were you introduced to the game, Coach? Man, from from the day I remember, from from the very earliest ages, I had a basketball in my hand. So, yeah, um, any memory I've had in life, uh, basketball was involved. But I think that my understanding and my true love for the game kind of evolved once I got to middle school. Uh, I had a friend named Andy Bass, and I'm from Tennessee, and Andy kind of lived in the backwoods, and his his dad was a no nonsense guy, yeah. and at Andy's house, there was no cable. There were no video games. If you went to Andy's house, you were helping on the farm, men and fences, uh, bell and hay, or you were playing basketball because they had a full-court blacktop basketball court at their house. Nice. So we'd, we'd go to Andy's, and we'd hoop all night. But his dad, they didn't have cable, but he had these old VHS tapes. Yeah. And his dad was a savant of the game. And he, yeah. had, he had videos from the 70s, 80s. VHS tapes that don't even exist anymore. And I remember <laughs> watching Pistol Pete uh, dribbling development. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. watching the, the 80s Pistons and the 90s Bull. Like, that's where I, the, the love for my game truly evolved. We yeah. would go out there, we'd play ball all day, and then we'd watch all these old videos. And his dad would explain to us how the game isn't what it used to be and, and all that. And it, it gave me an appreciation for the history of the game. Wow. That's big time, Coach. You talk about that Pistol Pete video, man. I grew up with that, too, where, you know, my favorite move is when he's holding the ball behind his back, claps his hands in the front, and catches it again. Man, I mastered that. 
I did it so many times. You know, I, I did the same thing, coach. Not, not that you ever did it during the game, but man, that was fun. Just and, and you know, I'll, I'll say this too. I, I think that for me personally, and I'm very open and transparent. I think that my love for the game was also spirit led. You know, a lot of people don't know or realize this, but Nathan, who created the game, was an ordained minister, yeah. and when he first created the game, he created it with a mission and a vision to draw young men toward God. Yeah, and yeah. I look back at the history of just being involved in basketball from from camp to uh, youth league to middle school to high school and being a part of a community and being a part of something that was bigger than myself yeah. is something that led to a purpose that was bigger than me, that was yeah. bigger than what I wanted to do with the game, but what the game could do for so many other people. Yeah, and, then, and it's that vehicle. It's that you become a conduit if you will, of what his purpose was and his purpose is for us with people uh, and how that's how you um, you find them where they're at. You meet them where they're at. And you don't ever think to yourself, well, I want to do what God's called me to do, but everybody's got to show up where I'm at. That's nonsense. Amen. You got to go where they're at. And then all of a sudden you find out really who you are, what you're about. And I think, here again, I've said it a thousand times, relationships are everything in this game, whether it's a coaching profession, whether it's just the game itself. And so when you talk about Dr. Naismith and what his uh, intentions were with the game, I think that's just, it, it proves true to this day, and it'll always prove true, that the game is about relationships, the game is about connecting, being there for each other, like you talked about unity and inclusiveness. I think that's something that, we're all looking for in the game. And that's something we're all looking for in society. And basketball is just a great uh, kind of microcosm of what the world can be and, sh and almost should be, I would say. So, yeah, no, big picture stuff, Coach, and that's great. Lo love those points of emphasis, man. So who influenced you to kind of get into coaching? Was it something that you grew up with or, or wh where did that come in? I had to realize early on that coaching was going to be in my future because I wasn't a really good player and I, yeah, <laughs> I love the yeah. game. Um, so like, like a lot, a lot of these people, I, I was humbled at an early age, my junior, senior year of high school when, you know, I had to make the decision, do, do I want to go and walk on? Do I want to go to an NAI school or do I want to take an opportunity to really start honing in on being a professional? And yeah. I was super blessed because I had some people in my corner that, were, were advising me and, and helping and mentoring me. And they knew that, that coaching was something that even in high school, I knew I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I, w I was kind of led to being a student manager and I got a, an amazing opportunity um, out of this world opportunity to, to work for coach Kyle Perry at the university of Kentucky. And that completely changed the trajectory of not just my career, but my life. Yeah. So when you talk about that experience in particular, what, you know, winning a national championship, being under the tutelage, if you will, of Coach Calipari and kind of the whole vibe that he sets up, like a professional atmosphere. What was that experience like altogether? Well, for me, Coach Cal taught me so much more than just basketball and X's and O's. Um, and, and I was at, I was in an age where I was very hungry to be a professional. I was very hungry to to learn and soak everything in and 
the greatest things I learned for him from him were about servant leadership, not wow. necessarily X's and O's or spacing or uh, certain sets or ATOs or anything of, of that nature. It was yeah. all how to treat young men, how to develop relationships, how to treat people in the community, how to treat people within your own family on your team. And that, that opened the paradigm for me on what it meant to not just have an impact on the game, but have an impact on the world. And, Coach Cal does that on such a high level. I mean, he, he lived out the model of servant leadership, and the entire staff does. I mean, the staff that I worked for there was incredible. You look at uh, Coach Robick, Kenny Payne, Orlando Antigua, who's with Illinois now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was such an amazing staff, and they all live by that model. Yeah. You know, people can speak it and talk about it, but they truly lived by it, and that's why our teams were successful. You know, a guy like Coach Cal, there's a lot of things about him that I feel are misunderstood, uh, although never having met him or spent time with him, just from an onlooker's perspective, if you deal with enough people in life, you can kind of get a feel for where they're at. And I hear what you're saying about him being a servant leader. That is, I think, something that most people would not associate because of what media has portrayed him to be. Uh, but if you listen to him talk, and kind of take out the fact that he's so successful. He sends a ton a ton of kids to play in the NBA. He's probably hated because of all his success from, uh, from certain angles. But you can appreciate the fact that when he talks and he says these things, and somebody like yourself who, who actually experienced it and saw it firsthand, you can appreciate it when he talks to say, wow, he really means what he's saying. He really well, and, you know, practices what he preaches. Yeah. Perception is not always reality, and it – if you really want to get to the core of Coach Cal, you know, talk to any player that's ever played for him, whether they were a high-level player or they were a walk-on. Talk yeah. to his graduate assistants. Talk to his managers, the guys yeah. like me that were doing laundry and yeah. that most guys overlook. I mean, he really put an umbrella around all of us and helped all of us grow in all areas of our lives, mentally, socially, intellectually, spiritually. Um, wow. And that's, like I said, that's not just his – his blue chip guys, that's the guys that are doing laundry and cleaning the bathroom. So uh, I, I have nothing but affinity for, for Coach Cal. And like I said, I learned more, and I learned a lot from him from an X's and O standpoint, but nothing can ever replace what I learned about being a human being uh, from Coach Cal and that entire staff. Yeah, no, Coach, that's an invaluable situation. And then also winning a national championship. That had to be something that was just like, wow, you know, well, you as know, a manager. Spoiled. Yeah, I, I, I was spoiled because you, you look at where I've been uh, since and I've, I've been so blessed with great opportunities. But being at the, the top of the top, there's, there's nothing that is comparable. And yeah. to be able to see how we were able to function at such a high level, it was something that obviously I'll take with me for the rest of my life. But it's something that's uh, almost incomprehensible yeah. what we were able to do there. I'm, I'm talking when he first got there, we went Elite Eight, Final Four. Yep. Won a national championship. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's bananas, as they say, because you just don't. Uh, first of all, you don't plan for that, uh, but when you know Coach Cal's at the helm, you kind of expect something great to happen, an experience unlike any other. Uh, so that's great, Coach, and I and, and I think that's kind of what sets you up here moving forward at your at your stops. Like now, you're at Missouri Western, and as an assistant there, and prior to that all your stops were at different levels. And so my question to you was like, from a perspective of a leader, 
and a mentor and all those things that you become when you're part of a program, what translates from level to level of program? Well, that, that's such a, a polarizing question, right? And it's, it's a question that many of my colleagues, all of us have all the time. You know, it's a tight-knit fraternity of, of coaches, and you know that yeah. as, as you've coached. Um, whether you're NAIA, D3, D2, D1, it, it's a tight-knit family. And, yeah. you know, that question comes up all the time, what's the difference in levels? You know, and Coach Wick, Sundance Wick, who I work for now, I, I think he puts it best. You know, our, our profession, our evaluation, our recruiting, our leadership of young men, it, it's an art and it's not a science. Yeah. You know, there there is no formula when we go out recruiting that says this guy's a D1 kid, this guy's a D2 kid, this guy's a D3 kid. Yeah. Right? And then when you talk about how you lead these young men, there's definitely no blueprint or platform that, that says this is exactly how you have to coach this kid and that kid. Yeah. Because they're all different. Yeah. Every kid. I, you know, the greatest teachers in the world know that you can't treat every single one of your students the same. Yeah. So that's regardless of what level you're at, but that's even regardless of, you know, who you have on your team. Each kid has different needs. Each kid has to be treated somewhat differently in order to get the best out of that kid. So I've been, I've been lucky to be at the high level D1 at Kentucky to be able to see how coaches interacted with, you know, five-star recruits, high-level NBA prospects, I've been at, at Tulsa and San Francisco, which are great mid-majors. I've been to NAI level. I've been um, back at the high school level for a year yeah. and, and now at the D2 level. And the one thing that doesn't change is that it's all about the kids. And to get the best out of a kid, you have to get to the heart of that kid. Yeah. You have to show the kid how much you care, right? So yeah. Kenny Payne is, is one, of, one of my favorite human beings of all time. He's associate head coach now at Kentucky. Um, probably the best developer in, in the country as an wow. assistant coach but he's also one of the best in terms of developing relationships and he used to always say they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care yeah yeah and so i don't care what level you're at kids have to know that you care about them and you love them yeah definitely that that's solid man that's solid advice because uh so many of us can get caught up in our own hype and in our i mean here again you have a little success and people start patting you on the back a little bit. And then you start thinking that people are showing up for you, uh, that people are in the stands for you, that the kids are coming to your program for you. When in reality, without them, you're not there. Without, without these young people and these young men, uh, we have no jobs. Uh, we're just a bunch of know-it-alls. And, and here again, like uh, Kevin Eastman always talks about being a learn-it-all. And when we learn to, like you said, care about the kids and care about what it is that they're about, like who they really are, not just, you know, hey, how are you? Okay, now hurry up, get into that drill. How are you? Hey, you need to pick up your grades. Like, no, really get into who they are. Don't let them get by with saying, I'm good. No, really, how are you? Uh, I really need to know how you are because I care. And so, yeah, big, big. No question. And then when you get to a recruiting standpoint, you know, the, the, the second end of that question in terms of, um, different levels and, and who can play where, you know, uh, again, I'll, I'll quote Coach Wick again that it's, it's not a science, it's an art. And you look at a lot of intangibles. And, and all, all you can really look at is talent, skill set, athleticism, and mindset. And if, if you have a kid that's elite on all four levels, 
then yeah, they're they're probably going to a blue blood high major D one. Yeah. But the reality is most of these kids aren't elite in all four areas. Yeah. And we have so much parity in the game now that you see kids that I might be recruiting to Missouri Western that could play division one basketball. Definitely. Very well. Yeah. And, and you see kids that are going to division one schools that we might not even be on because yeah. for us in, in, in our fit and our culture, that kid might not fit who we are. doesn't mean that he's not good enough to play somewhere else. So yeah. um, there's so much parity now that, yeah, you have your outliers when it comes to talent, skill, athleticism, mindset. But if you're not elite in all four of those areas, you know, that's where the evaluation really, really kicks in. And to your yeah. question about level to level, there's a ton of parity. I mean, there's a lot of kids that I'm recruiting here to Missouri Western that can play Division One basketball. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. And and that goes across the board. You know, I'm just – everything you're talking about, even the, the, the tidbit of uh, – well, not tidbit, but actual an emphasis on those four areas, man, that's huge because I think a lot of uh, coaches out there that are aspiring to go into coaching and college coaching in particular are thinking, how do I even begin to think about evaluating a player? Do I just – trust my eyes based on what I like or trust my eyes based on here again, these four areas and what, you know, all the coaches I've ever talked to say, yeah, we need to see a guy do one thing right first and what makes him separate himself from the rest. And then we go from there. What does he bring to our program that we need? Where does he fill that void? And those are, those are just huge things. But here again, man, I appreciate you giving us those, that kind of a cheat code in the sense of how to really break it down in those four areas. So, you know, you talk about recruiting, you talk about the right fit, because I think that's really important. How important is, is it in, in your mind for the right culture for a player and the right fit for incoming players? Like how does that work for you? Yeah. You know, culture is such a popular word in our profession. Um, and what I've come to learn is that everyone loves culture buzzwords, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I'm the same way. You know, I think that messaging is huge from a, I go back to my freshman and sophomore year of college and marketing and learning how important uh, mar- uh, branding is and messaging, and it is important. But the true question is, what do they actually mean? What do those buzzwords mean as it yeah. relates to your culture, right? Yeah. I tell our guys all the time, what is your motive and what is your intention? Yeah. And and that's not just individually, that's collectively. So when you talk about culture, you're talking about a collective conscious. One, one mind. We call it hive mind, where when we all come in, we're all one. And we have to have that collective consciousness. So for us here at Missouri Western, we talk a lot about culture creation is habit formation you got to create habits really good habits and you got to do it collectively as a team not just individually and we tell our guys to be a elite you have to be complete and yeah. you got to be complete not just in basketball <laughs> you got to be complete in the classroom you got to be complete on the court and you got to be complete in the community yeah. um and then once you're complete you got to be accountable yeah you have to show up you have to do your work and then you got to help others Right, and, and so many kids can't get past the showing up and doing their own work first. Yeah. Right. If, if you can't yeah. show up and do your work, then there's no way that you can help others. Yeah. So for you to be truly accountable, you got to get you. We, we laugh all the time because you know players love to say, "I got you, coach. I got you. 
I, I don't need you to get me. I need you to get you. Because if you can get you, then you can get us. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I got me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I need you to get you, and then maybe then you can get us. So, you know, that, that's a big line for us when it comes to accountability. And then we talk about to be useful, you got to be useful. And if anyone knows Coach Wicks, I mean, that that's his thing is bring your own juice. You got to bring your own juice. So, you know, to your question about culture, I think that everyone has the buzzword. Everyone has, you know, what's important to them as a team. But at the end of the day, it's all about motive and intention. Got you. You know, it's funny you bring up motive and intention because that's, uh, man, in everything you do in life, I think that's how you ultimately get to the bottom of where somebody's coming from their heart. Like, it's a, it's, it's a matter of the heart. You know, not not necessarily giving your whole heart to the situation, but what was in your heart, man? Like when I was a kid, I grew up hearing, you you did something bad, son. What was in your heart, though? What did your heart tell you to do? And I think that's something that society right now is not teaching people. It's teaching people, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Thinking, thinking, thought, thought, mind, mind. When in reality, there's a core of each of us as a human being. And literally, it's our heart. You know, f- you know physically, it's our heart. And I think there's a, there's a deeper part of us, our soul, that speaks to us as well. And so motive and, and intent are kind of birthed in our heart. And when we can teach players to listen to that, uh, they can really give us everything they have in there. And so when it says, hey, let's, you know, you guys need to have some heart, that's that digging deep. That's that finding it. And so I think, yeah, great point of emphasis to say, hey, culture and fit, you know, about motive and, and, and intention because uh, there's some guys that can do some really great things and they had no intention of doing it. They had no intention of, of, of helping and they just you know stumbled upon it. Uh, some guys that make mistakes and their motive was to make a mistake. Their motive was to mess things up for everybody. So it's, it's a two-edged sword in a sense, but it definitely gives you a clear uh, clarity within those confines. So, so there's no doubt. I mean, we, we tell our kids all the time, making a bad decision does not make you a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. But I go back to the habit formation. If you are making multiple bad choices, then that can create bad habits. And if you continually, continually exhibit bad habits, then that can turn you into someone who is perceived as a bad person. Bad character. Yeah. Bad choices lead to bad habits, lead to bad character too. And I think that's, yeah, spot on coach. Here again, great points of emphasis. Um, so when you think about kind of here again, you kind of ran down the list of where you've been and, what, and kind of some of where, what you were doing during those stops. What have you learned about yourself in all that? Oh, that's a that's a great question. You know, and I, it's easy talking about the national championship run and being on top of the mountain and when things are good, but you know, I was also on a staff at San Francisco that got let go. And yeah. when when we were let go, I had to look for another job. And I'll never forget driving in my Camry from San Francisco back home to Tennessee making calls. Ooh, long drive. And God. people that, that used to be answering the phone weren't answering the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that that is when from a metaphorical standpoint, I mean, I was literally driving through the desert of Arizona and New Mexico. And I was like, I'm in the Valley now. Like this is, there is no mountaintop. Like this is, this is the Valley. Four years prior to that, I was in New Orleans and we had won a national championship. So 
I truly believe in my own experience. And then, you know, from being blessed to hear other people's experience and, and, and life stories that it's in the valleys that you truly find yourself. Yeah. And I got back home and I was introduced to a guy named Rick Barker, who has become a, a great friend and a, a really good mentor for me. He has nothing to do with basketball, but he used to manage Taylor Swift. Um, he's big in the music industry. And, yeah. and one thing he told me when I was in that valley, when I couldn't find another job after we got fired was, you know, the one thing I know is that I know nothing. Yeah. And that, that, that one thought process has changed my whole life. And what that has allowed for me is to continually be open to learning because I thought that I knew a lot Yeah. as, as a, as an arrogant young kid in the profession who had won a national championship, who had worked for some great coaches who from the outside looking in was quote unquote climbing the ladder. And then I was fired, couldn't find a job and was the third assistant at my old high school. <laughs> wow. And, and it, it, it helped me realize that I don't know anything. I truly don't. And if I can humble myself to realize that every single day, every present moment, right now, every day, I don't know anything. I have to stay open to new ideas, new ways of learning, whether it's from John Calipari or somebody giving a fifth grade girls coaching clinic. Yeah. I can learn from anyone. And that's just basketball. Yeah. Then you talk about life and being open to learning from, from different people. Um, I've been blessed with mentors that I've known face to face, but we all have the opportunity to have mentors through books and research. I, I think about Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell and Paulo Coelho, guys that I've never met, authors, psychiatrists, philosophers who have completely changed my mind because I was open to the fact that I don't know anything and I have to be open to everything. Wow. And so for me, that's the one thing that I learned. And I have to remind myself coach, of that every single day. Because yeah. we're, all, we're all fighting ego. and I, I don't care <laughs> w what habits you've created, um, how solid your life seems. We fight ego every single day. Oh, yeah. Too and much, I have to yeah. get up and I have to look that ego in the face and say, no, yeah. you don't know anything. It's a lot I'm going to stay open to everything. It's a lot of truth, Coach. You, you, you're getting real about this because I think that's sometimes what uh, we have to get past ourselves before we make an impact in anybody's life. If we first get past ourselves, man, we can do a lot of good. But I think there is that percentage of people who, here again, like I said earlier, buy into their own hype, feel like they've accomplished something. When, here again, you said while you were in the valley, you felt like, man, I, I know nothing. I'm realizing how human I am and how that cape that I thought I was wearing was a man-made cape. I made it. I made that thing, and now it's gone. So now... <laughs> <laughs> no, I need to, I need to, you know, kind of navigate through that. And that's great coach. Like everything you're saying is so spot on for, for us as leaders, uh, for those of us who look to help people in a, in a mentorship type well, of fashion. And the other thing too is it's so counterculture, right? Like we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're told all the time, do more, do more, do more. And, and then internally you have this voice that says, no, be still. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard. It's like, wait a minute. Do I am I supposed to be still and surrender, or am yeah. I supposed to act, to actively try to fix this problem? And our yeah. culture tells us fix everything, uh, hide any type of vulnerability, right? But there's something yeah. deeper inside of us that says, no, 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 be still, surrender. Yeah, peace. no. Yeah. So, so that's called peace, right, Coach? Like you're saying, you know, humble yourself. 
uh, have peace about yourself, peace be still, you know, kind of that situation where it's like, once I calm everything down, I can calm the storm within me and have peace. And then from there, I know what I need to do. I can, I can, Amen. I can quiet the voices in my head that I'm, that I'm basically, uh, kind of bringing up every fear, every stress, every doubt about who I'm supposed to be and who I am at that moment. And I'm saying, no, I have faith for the future and who I am. Like I'm not, I haven't changed who I am internally, even though my situation changed, I haven't changed and I'm only getting better because I'm going to learn every day and I'm going to work hard to kind of chip away at this ego uh, and, and like you said, fight for it every day. I think that's that's really, really key, Coach. And, and I'm here again. You're getting really real, and that's what we need. We, a lot of us need to hear, like, okay, this is how the cow ate the cabbage, so to speak, and uh, and now we can move forward when you come to those uh, type of uh, kind of epiphanies, if you will. So, well, Coach, and, and yeah. life is hard enough as it is for yeah. us not to be real with each other. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. To not be able to be transparent and, and vulnerable and admit like, hey, man, I have struggles, I have weaknesses, and and I need help. Yeah. We all need help. You know, yeah. that, that's what's so beautiful about this podcast, like I, I said earlier, about the inclusiveness for everyone. We all have a story to tell. We all, we're all on the same journey, and we shouldn't be crabs in the bucket that each time someone starts to climb out, we pull each other down. We need to be lifting <laughs> each other up. Definitely, Coach. I appreciate you saying that, man. That that was that's really good. Crabs in a bucket, man. I I love me some crab too, so I get exactly what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, coach, here again now at Missouri Western, what do you feel? You know, here again, Coach Wicks, who's really kind of out there now, and everybody's you know getting to know who he is. Uh, what do you feel like you bring to the table to assist him in his vision and his goal for that program? Well, the only thing that Coach Wicks requires from his staff and all of his players is that we bring our juice every day, right? And that's gotcha. that's the tagline. If you know Coach Wicks, if you follow him on Twitter, yeah. if, if you know anything about him or our program, you know the BYOJ, bring your own juice model. Yeah. Um, but what is juice, right? So you, you asked me, what do I bring to, to the table? I would say that I, I bring my juice. A lot of people think that juice is just energy or enthusiasm and that's part of it. You know, we talk about E3, energy, effort, enthusiasm, but your juice is so much deeper than that, right? And we, we were getting real earlier, but I'm about to get real, real, you know, like <laughs> real, go. real, real, as, as the kids would say. Um, your juice is your spirit. And, and regardless of, of what you believe from a philosophical or r- religious standpoint, your, your juice is the essence of who you are. It's your spirit. And everyone's juice is different. Um, Coach is one of the most intellectual and energetic human beings that I've ever met. Yeah, he he has an opportunity to do something on such a large scale because of the way he cares for others and his capacity to to love and give. Yeah. It, it's unmatched. Um, and I'm talking about anyone I've worked for. Um, for me, my energy, my juice is empathy, understanding. Wow. Um trying to connect with others. So for me, when I walk into that office every single day, I, I have to give it. I have to bring that. I have to be empathetic. Now, I'm not always going to be perfect. None of us are. But if that's my juice, if that's what is the essence of who I am, what I would say God gave me, my gift, my talent, I have to give that back every yeah. single day. Yeah. That's great, Coach, using your gift and not just burying it. 
uh, using that talent and using those things that, you know, because empathy and understanding, man, that's so hard to come by nowadays. Everybody wants to be quick to argue about things and kind of hurry up and put their two cents in when in reality it's like if I just put myself in your shoes for, for a minute or two and I hear your story and I know who you are, then I can understand who you are. Therefore, I won't get frustrated with you when I know you do that probably because of X, Y, and Z that you told me about. You probably act this out because you feel that way inside. Therefore, I can. Now, does it make does it make it uh, an allowance? Do I say, okay, well, I'm gonna allow you to do that because I know. No, it just means I know how to hold you accountable. I know where you're coming from, and I think that's what young people need nowadays: is us to just really stop and say, you know what? I understand why you do that, and but we need to stop doing it. You know, like I get you, man. I really do. I really do understand that, but it doesn't make it acceptable. We got to do some things. We got to make some changes. And uh, so, Coach, that's a great gift to have because uh, empathy is, is uh, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a really great trait to be able to, to apply in every situation when you're dealing with people in general uh, because too many people just give out sympathy. You know, we don't, sympathy is, is, has its place, I'm sure. Uh, but a lot of times when we just kind of relate, we're good. When we relate and we get to the bottom of who people are and they know we're relating with them, man, it takes you, takes you a long way. It takes you a very right. long and way. So, so much of that is being authentic, right? So yeah. there's, there's guys that come through our program that I'll never know what it's like to yeah. grow up the way that they did. Yeah. Um, there's people that I'll interact with in life that I'll never know exactly what their situation was because, you know what, I don't walk in their shoes. Yeah. But to sit down with someone, look them in the eye and say, I'm willing to try to understand. And not just like you said, not just sympathy where I'm trying to understand it and know it, but I'm trying to feel what you felt. And yeah. knowing that I'll never feel exactly the way you felt, I am willing to go down there. Like me and Coach Wicks always talk about going down to the abyss with someone. Yeah. That, we've all been there. We talked about the valley earlier, but everyone's been in that state of just true abyss. Are you willing to go down and meet someone in the depths of their abyss and say, you know what, I might not even be able to help you climb out, but I'm going to sit down here with you because yeah. I love you and I care about you. Yeah, that's great, Coach. Taking them by the hand and maybe not, you know, babying them, but saying, no, we're going to get through this together. Man, every human being needs that at some point. Encouragement, affirmation, all those things. Uh, and he, like you said, being genuine. And there's nothing more beneficial for society and young people than just being genuine. And, and, and uh, that's so, that's so it's a, such a great point. So now, you know, we talk, we talk about a lot of here again, going down the line uh, about what you've done and where you've been. And I just think about what was that process like and what did you have to sacrifice to be where you're at? And, and I'm sure there's a lot. So, kind of run down for us, Coach, what maybe you sacrifice even now and what you've sacrificed to be where you're at. Well, you know, honestly, when when I think of the word sacrifice, um, I, I feel that's directly correlated with, with passion, right? Because yeah. passion is the willingness to suffer, the willingness, the willingness to sacrifice. So for me, I can say that, that coaching and trying to lead young men through through life uh 
by the vehicle of basketball and what I'm able to do as a vocation, that is a, not just a love, but a true passion of mine. So yeah. I don't feel like I'm sacrificing much, but I do have family, friends, a girlfriend who sacrificed a ton to allow me to live out my passion. So, yeah. you know, the, the real answer to your question is I've had some great people in my life who've had to sacrifice a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, um, a lot of finances, family in my life when I wasn't making any money living on a couch trying yeah. to make ends meet so that I could I could coach the game that I love. They're the ones who really, truly made the sacrifice. Because for me, this is my passion. And I, I'm yeah. willing to suffer. I'm willing to sacrifice yeah. for this. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a burden to me because this, this is my mission in life. Got you. Man, Coach, great, great response to that. I love what you said about passion, that it's the willingness to sacrifice. Uh, and because we, man, knowing, knowing who, I, who I believe you are, and, and I know I'm not misled by thinking about this, when we hear about the passion, uh, the passion play, uh, think about sacrifice. That's what comes to mind. We think about what was sacrificed for us. So I like the way you kind of took that and said, you know, what people sacrifice for me comes to mind, not what I sacrifice, because I know there were bigger sacrifices along the way. And now I can just kind of step into what here again, either my vocation, my calling, however you want to term it. Now I know where to go. And it's I count the cost. I'm cool with counting the cost. I'm cool with understanding where I'm headed and what's going to cost me. But you know what? Not going to cost me much because I'm willing to do it. I'm, you know, that's so Amen. great, Coach. That's a great perspective to have, man. So knowing more about kind of who you are, how you think, how you're, how you're functioning in your space now uh, and kind of where you're going to head at some point because I know you're nowhere near finishing your career. But setting the foundation for where you're gonna where you're gonna end up as a leader, mentor, all those things. What would you want your legacy to be when your career is all said and done, Coach? Man, you know, I, I can honestly say I don't I don't think much about legacy. Um, I, I'm so humbled every day just to have an opportunity to to work in this game. Yeah. Um, for me, I can say this the one thing that I tell our guys is pray harder than you work, work really, really hard. Um, so I hope that by the time my career is over, by the time my life's over, the people that played for me, um, the people that engaged with me, they would be able to say that, you know, he, he encouraged me to surrender more, to love more, and to be willing to be open and transparent. Um, that That's all that I can ask. Because by doing that in my own life, by surrendering my ego, by being still, by praying harder than, than I work, and trying to really work hard through that process, um, my life has been changed because of that. And so I hope that I can pass that on to the people that interact with me, whether that's through basketball or any other area of life. Fantastic, Coach. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you being on uh, here again, making the time to be on. And uh, I look forward to whatever the future holds for you, Coach, and uh, and also staying connected. Uh, that's one thing I always want to do with each coach that I have on. Uh, this isn't a means to uh, to do something uh, 
I'm not looking to monetize this thing. I'm just looking to get stories out. And I'm so thankful for the relationships that are being built through this. And, and you're no different, Coach. So I appreciate you, I appreciate your time, your story, and, and also uh, just who you are, being genuine, man. I, I like that. I like that a whole lot. Well, I can't, I can't thank you enough. Like I said, I'm, I'm truly humbled. And like I said earlier, not just what you're doing, but the way that you're doing it, the game needs more of that. The, the game needs people who are willing to set a purpose-driven, a purpose-driven platform for everyone, not just the select few. And I, I think that through that, there's going to be a vehicle for all of us to get better and all of us to grow. And I can't thank you enough for allowing me um, to share my voice a little bit and to share my journey with everybody. Coach, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. You can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and you can even follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 47. Thank you.